The Bloopbusters podcast is a proud member of the Podbros Network. You can find us as well as other fine shows such as Kapowcast, That's Delightful, and Dave Nerd Compendium on podbros.com. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Bloopbusters podcast. Tonight's story is somewhat unique and calls for a different kind of introduction. Today we are canceling the apocalypse! Wait a minute, wait a minute, you ain't heard nothing yet. And uh, this is? Lilu Dallas Multipass. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Houston, we have a problem. Have you tried turning it off and on again? Gentlemen, you can't fight in here, this is the war room. Now, where was I? Welcome to episode 119 of the Blokebusters podcast. I am Paul, and today I am joined by Flix X-Ray, the podcast. Specifically, Tony, the host. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? I, I'm doing quite well. It's, uh, it's kind of nice to be back in the saddle, as it were. I took a little bit of time off because I ended up going to England for a couple of weeks over the holidays, and... I'm in a new position at work, so I've been kind of run ragged with that. So it's nice to just kind of sit down and talk about film for a little while. <laughs> Life finds a way, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, obviously, in case you haven't figured it out by looking at the title of this episode, uh, we are going to be talking about Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. And uh, I will very quickly go over the nuts and bolts of that. But first... Uh, real quick, if you want to get a hold of us about anything we're about to say or uh, have said or anything like that, you can find us at Bloatbusters on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Kind of. I'm sort of on those. Um, and you can email us at theblokes at bloatbusters.com or you can go to bloatbusters.com or you can go to podbros.com and check us out on there. And as uh, well, I'm also going to say if you have the time and the spare money we are also on patreon and uh, right now uh, we're just we're getting enough to keep the lights going but if you want to help us out at all we would very 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 much appreciate it and you would be stars in our eyes okay moving on from the sappy stuff so <laughs> we are going to be talking about jane and Bob reboot and directed by kevin smith shocker and it has a budget of $10 million, and as of right now, a box office of $3,514,118 worldwide. However, I think we can pretty much all agree that it's going to make its money back just in terms of home box office and DVD sales and so on and so forth, because that's pretty much where Kevin Smith makes his money. I uh, but- wonder if that includes the Reboot Roadshow numbers, because that's still going. Yeah, that's the thing. Like... I- it's that's where it's at now and i don't know how much of the road shows they've they've released for that uh i think that's just the ones that have been reported like actual box office in theaters so yeah maybe the road show will be its own thing on top of that once they actually finish and they tally everything up and then yeah, the i believe the dvds and the vod is going to be coming out fairly soon uh so yeah, that that'll be an extra <laughs> bump, and uh, it, I I get the feeling that the studios and Kevin Smith were not expecting to make the production money back at the box office specifically, because uh, I don't I don't think he's ever done that actually, has he? Not to my he, knowledge. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's always just been kind of a sure thing for the studios that they'll get the money back. It's just, yeah, you got to take a little time and wait for it to be available to the masses at home. Uh, Probably because uh, I'm sure there's a population of people that like to watch his films that enjoy watching his films while also taking certain things that uh, you can't really do at the cinema. So You can some of our cinemas here. I I was going to (laughs) say... Uh, maybe I'm generalizing a bit too much there, but there we go. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, before we actually dive into Jane and Silent Bob reboot, I figured we may as well just kind of briefly go over our 
uh, our thoughts and experiences of Kevin Smith before this film, just so people get a rough idea of where we're coming from. So, um, like, how did you first start watching Kevin Smith? And uh, what do you have a film or two of his that you are kind of your go to? Um, I started really watching Kevin Smith's work when I was in uh, probably about high school. Uh, I started mm-hmm. off with Clerks and uh, just kind of wound up going up from there. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a fanboy, to be honest. Like yeah. In my podcast space room here, I have at least three pieces of memorabilia signed by him and Jason Mewes. <laughs> um, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've met him a couple times, actually, at different events. Uh, but if I'd have to say anywhere my go-to, I'm a big fan of Mallrats and Chasing Amy. Those are my two favorites. Okay. Uh, and um, obviously those are in the viewers' universe. Uh, what are your feelings of his stuff outside of that? Uh, are you talking about like his Canadian tr- horror trilogy, quote-unquote, because the third one's not out yet? <laughs> well, it can be that. Uh, also, uh, Red State as well. Um, Red, Red State's pretty good. I love Zack and Miri make a porno. Um, I think he actually... I, I believe Kevin Smith does better in the comedy world than the serious world, to yeah. be honest. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will say um, I, was, uh, I started watching Kevin Smith. I first saw Clerks, I believe, when I was at university. So that would have been, uh, what was that, like 2008? I think, yeah, towards the tail end of university was when I first saw Clerks. And I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. Like, you know, oh, it said black and white. What? No one does films in black and white now. And, uh, of course, the fun thing being, well, the reason why it was in black and white, he couldn't afford to make it in color. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I, I watched that and I really enjoyed it. It was one of those things that I felt that his films contained some of the most authentic dialogue between characters that I'd seen in pretty much any film because he just writes the way that he talks with his friends and... Most films don't have that. There's always that slight level of what well, it's clearly scripted. I mean, you know, obviously you can't really make many films without there being a script to follow, but the, his films never really felt that scripted to me. And They feel like real people, the yeah. characters. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think uh, possibly my favorite film of his from the viewer's universe would be Dogma. And I, I think it's just... I love the sort of irreverence of the whole thing. And, you know, you've just got some fantastic performances. For instance, Alan Rickman. You're just, like, brilliant Alan Rickman. Uh, once again, as I always state whenever I bring him up, sounds completely drunk throughout the entire thing, because that's just his thing. <laughs> and, yeah, it's a marvellous film. I, I really enjoy it, because that, that goes... It really does tread the line between absolutely absurd and the comedy side and actually having a good character arc for several of its characters throughout. So, uh, And there's a little bit of a reference to one of them <laughs> in this. And and I think, actually, uh, out of the other films that I've seen of his from outside the Viewers universe, uh, I've already brought it up, like Red State, for me, I really enjoyed what he did with that. And... Uh, in case anyone has seen Red State but doesn't know anything outside of that, you need to listen to or watch his Q&A roadshow where he actually outlines the alternate ending that he created for it that he knew they would never make because they didn't have the money for it. And uh, uh, I don't, have you heard that one? Uh, I haven't, honestly. It, uh, yeah, it, uh, I... Have, you've seen Red State, I yes. assume. So, okay, so um, spoilers for anyone that uh, uh, hasn't seen Red State. You might not want to listen for the next like 30 seconds. But the ending that he wrote that he knew would never get used, he kind of wrote because someone dared him to and said he wouldn't be able to do it. So he wrote the Rapture ending, where the Rapture happens. And uh, it's uh, it's awesome to hear him explain it. <laughs> so... Yeah. You, you know uh, what? Hearing him explain anything is amazing, to be honest. <laughs> so did yeah, you did... Uh, do the roadshow as well when you viewed this, uh, the reboot, or no? 
no, I I did not get the the chance to get to the road show. I just uh, I happened to catch a showing at uh, at the cinema for the like the weekend. It was here. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, uh, I I wish I'd actually gone to the road show. I was all set to do it. I I saw the announcement that hey, it was coming here on this date, and by the time I saw the announcement. The only tickets that were left were the $700 tickets. And I was like, no, <laughs> I can't do that. Because that was the, like, the super VIP ones. And it was like, yeah, as much as I wish I had that much money to drop on the, on the tickets. Uh, no, I, I, I didn't have that. So See, I really uh, wanted to go see it. And I was, I was fully prepared not to be able to go due to finances. Similar reason, right? Um, yeah. And my wife actually surprised us. Uh, we we didn't exactly celebrate our anniversary this year um, just because of the fact that we were volunteering at a kid's camp at this time. So it's like it just didn't really happen for us. And uh, uh-huh. so she surprised me when we got back that she'd actually bought the not the super VIP, but the one tier down. Oh, yeah. So she bought that. Uh, so we went and saw that. It just came through uh, two weeks ago, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you lucky <laughs> i know right so me and my wife went and did that and then we also got signed copies of the script okay <laughs> <laughs> which which was pretty cool and then he also uh was there doing a q a before and after ah that's cool <laughs> yeah no, I, uh, yeah I, i've never actually been to one of his q a's and um like i now have a three-year-old daughter so the chances of me being able to go to one of his Q&As, which are notoriously long and uh, generally don't happen um, like where I am, the nearest big city that he might possibly come to is about 45 minutes away. So I would have to basically be out until at least midnight and that's not going to happen. <laughs> so. you, you, you say that we were actually um, surprised at some of the stops that he had here. So I live in Canada and uh, I live in a city called Calgary. Um, but he was going to some of the smaller cities around us, which are like cities of less than 500,000. Um, right. uh, so he went to a place called, um, he went to Lethbridge, Red Deer, Medicine Hat, which all of these are really small cities um, in our area. But he did, went through all of those as well as like, I'm not even in a, the provincial capital city. I'm in like a smaller city. But he went to yeah. us and then he went to the, the capital, which is Edmonton. So, well, I mean, it, I that'd be nice uh, if you were down here, but uh, just, so for uh, in case anyone <laughs> wants to have a guess as where I am, uh, the city I currently live in has a population as of three years ago of uh, just under thirty six thousand people. So I feel Ooh. like we're just a little on the small side, <laughs> even for that. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to be keeping an eye out uh, in future. I'm hoping that he'll keep doing his Q&As and his roadshows uh, because you know, he seemed to enjoy them. And uh, and him and Jason Mewes doing their uh, podcast. Yeah, so, so I, I, I'm going to keep my keep my eyes and ears open like and hoping that something will come along and I'll be able to go to one. But uh, uh at the very least, they keep releasing DVDs of them, so I, I can check them out that way. Yeah, um, it was actually one of the cool things about the Q&A is he, he was announcing, I don't know if you've heard about this, because um, they've kind of put it places, but they've officially uh, started working on uh, Clerks 3. I believe I saw him, uh, I think he put out a picture of the front, page of the script for mm-hmm. Clerks 3 and that was his sort of announcement for it yeah and Mallrats 2 he, you know, he, I, he was talking I, about that he's got the scripts mostly written for both of those well good <laughs> yeah I'm I'm intrigued to see what Mallrats 2 was in tail because obviously we've seen uh Jason Lee's character in a mall. <laughs> it's in the mall. Like we we know where he is. So the question is, is it going to be following him or is it going to be following the other main character for Morats who I feel like I don't know, I I'm not sure where, where that would go. <laughs> or a completely bunch of new characters. Yeah? 
yeah, could just uh, be or just kind of following on, and may, maybe even Holden is watching these new Morats and complaining about them, and he's like the outsider this time. Yeah, and it. It would be interesting. I know. So again, at the Q and A, it was really cool hearing a Kevin Smith talk for about three hours um, <laughs> after the movie. Uh, but one of the things he said is he he revealed what the script of Clerks Three is going to be uh, to our oh. group. So he actually talked about what his whole plan was for it, um, which is interesting. interesting. Yeah. So okay. that was like mostly because he got very high before coming on stage. Um, so he just started <laughs> to ramble because you know it's I... legal up here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm intrigued because, like, and obviously, like, we can kind of use this to jump into the reboot. Uh, yeah, so many cameos in reboot. I'm not even going into any of the <laughs> the lead actors and stuff that I normally do because I don't have time to list them all. Uh, but Rosario Dawson, who is obviously in Clerks Two, mm-hmm. and uh, we assume is married to Dante by the end of it. Like she's in Gentile and Bob reboot, but as a completely different character. So like the question is, are they going to go back and she's going to be in clerks three or is she not going to be, <laughs> are they going to have broken up for some reason? Oh, yeah. they could totally do that. I wouldn't be surprised um, because let's face it. Ben Affleck plays how many different characters? Uh, a few. <laughs> right. And yes. it's like, they never really talk about that too much. Yeah, and obviously Jason Lee has two separate characters, I believe. Yeah, <laughs> and technically he's in Clerk Two without being, uh, without being his normal character. So, yeah, Brody. <laughs> but yeah, so I could totally see her coming back because of the fact that um, we know that she exists in the Clerks universe, and then we see her in this universe, but she's got a different name in the yeah. Roadshow. Yeah, so oh, the reboot. Sorry, <laughs> I got so no, called I mean... used to calling it the Roadshow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, fair enough. Um, it's mostly a roadshow at this point. Uh, so, yeah, I think she's. Uh, I think it's Reggie was the name, if I'm remembering correctly. So, cause it, it kind of stuck in my head because I was like, "Oh, okay, Rosario Dawson." But yeah. So, hey, we may as well dive into Jan and Bob reboot then. So, what were your thoughts? When you were going into it, because um, I I personally had seen a trailer for it, and that was about it. So I didn't actually know much about the plot, or and I didn't I didn't have any real idea of what they were going to do just in general with it, other than they were making fun of reboot by making a reboot, which is my kind of humor. Uh, so <laughs> mine too. um i'm not gonna lie i didn't actually watch any trailers before i watched it i'd I'd heard a lot about it but whenever there's something that i could be remotely excited for i go dark on it i refuse to watch anything i didn't even and even though it came to the theaters beforehand i waited till the reboot to go see it and any of my friends who had seen i'm like don't tell me anything i don't want to hear about it um (laughs) because i just didn't want to have it uh jading my view at all and then I think for me, it was like, I was just excited because a, I was going to see Kevin Smith and it was just like super exciting in that way. Um, so when I went to it, I was, I was pretty pumped up. And then I think one of the, I don't know what it was like for your viewing, but um, because of the theater we went to here, it's a very small theater um, that is very, it likes to promote a rowdy audience. Um, yeah. <laughs> beers are served and everything throughout. So it's just like one of those things where when we were watching the audience was very rowdy and I think it kind of um, enhanced the experience. It was one of those things where anytime a cameo on everyone, uh, cameo came on, everyone in the audience cheered. Right. And it was yeah. just like one of those type of viewing. So for me watching it, it was very, very exciting, very fun. And going to it, I was actually excited to see it. Um, I'm also a fanboy, So it's like, you know, that kind of <laughs> weighs heavy on that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, uh, it, it wasn't, quite like that uh but uh but yeah definitely yeah a- anytime there was like oh they got this person like there was a not a loud cheer but you know there was a audience reaction and the laughs just kept coming <laughs> and uh and yeah it was like it was quite clear everyone there was a fan of kevin smith so they were 
Kevin Smith fanboys watching a Kevin Smith film. So, yeah, just that slight electricity was there. <laughs> That's fair. But, yeah. Uh, also, I'm it, pretty sure most of the audience was high because in the lineup outside, people were just passing blunts around. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I I myself have uh, have not touched that particular substance, uh, but uh, uh, it would not surprise me if that was the state of some of the people that were there. Um, they probably weren't as overt about it because I'm not living in one of the states where it is just properly accepted. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. I, I feel like. It it's one of those things again. I think that's why Kevin Smith films uh, they probably don't look at just the box office for them because I think so many people will buy it for home viewing and enjoy it in whatever state they want with their friends at home. So yeah, I, it it's very interesting to actually see this in the cinema because I think prior to this, my only Kevin Smith cinema experience was Clerks 2. Everything else I ended up seeing on DVD. So, yeah, very, very interesting. <laughs> um, I think I'm in the same boat. I'm trying to think about it. No, I saw the original Jay and Silent Bob in theaters. Um, right. But, and that, that was nowhere near the same level of experience as this one was. And again, like I said, I went to a very special showing where people were willing to shell out lots of money to go see, right? So it's like, right. it's a different level of fandom. Um, at that point so and again i am that kind of fan where it's like yes and like i said my wife knew me well enough to be like here's your anniversary gift we're going i'm like yeah (laughs) let's do this (laughs) you know because i'm uh i'm blessed with her on that one but you know it's just one of those things where i really enjoyed it and i thought like the entire concept on paper is funny to me let alone watching it where it's like they really literally just make fun of reboots by remaking the same movie yeah, yeah. It, it it was a really interesting idea, and it, it's one of those things that I'm even wondering. Even though, like, yeah, this is very much a Kevin Smith film, and yeah, you know, the studio would have had the the faith of Kevin Smith at this point. I think that if Deadpool hadn't come out and done so well, maybe this film wouldn't have either been made the same way, or like it might have been like he might have had to kickstart it instead because instead of it being greenlit yeah i think this film relied heavily on the fact that other films that have that very cheeky wink to camera have done very well so yeah that's true because he does like to break the fourth wall a lot in this movie (laughs) a lot more than i've seen him do in any other movie like right down to the fact that we have matt damon doing a full uh, what happened to Loki after Dogma moment um, <laughs> by by talking directly to the camera. Yep. Yeah, and directly calling out, hi, I'm Matt Damon. I play Loki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just like full on. It's like not even tongue in cheek at that point. It's like just super blatant. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll be honest, I did not. I should have. But maybe I was just enjoying the fact that it was Matt Damon talking to us about Loki. I did not anticipate the reborn identity joke. That was like, so good. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was, again, that tongue-in-cheek humor that I was just, like, not expecting. And then it just was so funny. Because you're not expecting it. But it's, like, it's it's super funny to think that, you know, they're they're pretty much saying the Bourne universe is a part of the Jay and Silent Bob universe. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I... I I really enjoy all of those little things. Like, I think probably my favorite uh, one of those before this film is in Jane and Silent Bob Strike Back when Holden says, a Jane and Silent Bob movie, who'd pay to see that? And it is just that they all stare at the camera and Kevin Smith just gives a thumbs up. (laughs) It's just just that blatant, like we're just going to roll with it. I really enjoyed, and then this film just turned it up to 11 with that. Uh, Every chance they could. You know, even yeah. Ben Affleck making a Batman reference. <laughs> and and then the fact of the matter, when they did uh, the Blunt Man and Chronic, they have Val Kilmer as Bat, or as um, Blunt Man, and then uh, Melissa Benoit as um, 
uh, Chronic, right? Which is just like Supergirl and Batman. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, like after that, I did a, a quick look. I was like, okay, is Supergirl still going? Mm-hmm. And it is. So it's like, oh. And uh, Kevin Smith directs feel, on it. Yeah, I, I feel like Kevin Smith might have gone to CW and just been like, can I borrow her for something? <laughs> I don't even think he had to do that because he's uh, he's done guest direction on Flash and on Supergirl because he's such a big comic book fanboy um, that he probably has her in his like repertoire of contacts. Oh, oh, I'm uh, I I was not necessarily saying that uh, he would have had to have gone through them to get to her. More just. Going to CW and say, I want to take the star of one of your big shows and make them get very high on, on camera. Are you okay with that? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Because, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's always interesting to me to see who he can get and what he can get them to do. Now, obviously, some people were just going to be, you know, they're just going to do it regardless, for such as obviously, in the original run of Jewish Universe, George Carlin. Like, George Carlin would do anything. <laughs> and uh, for someone like Kevin Smith, yeah, he'll do whatever the hell. And he did several times. So, so yeah, it's, it's always interesting to see like, who they're able to get. And uh, I will fully admit, I did not catch the full significance of some of the cameos because of some of the things I have not seen. I guessed that Chong, or Tommy Chong, mm-hmm. was was Tommy Chong just based on how they were kind of treating it. Um, but, yeah. Like, not a it, fan of Up in Smoke? Uh, I have not seen any of the films he has done. Uh, uh, putting that out there, I, I've not watched any of those. Uh, uh, never, never actually had the chance to. Never on TV when I was growing up, and I just never felt the need to go and buy the DVDs. So, yeah, it's, it's just never come up. Uh, you know, growing up in England, uh, not not a lot of Cheech and Chong films on on TV. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I I found it interesting just going back after the film and looking at all of the cameos and double checking people like, oh yeah that that was this person that was this person and uh um i think the one that i um i wouldn't have got if they didn't just flat out say it uh with uh method man and red man they i again have not seen the film that they refer to how high that, so I have not seen How High. Or listened so, anyway. to uh, either of their music? Uh, n- not my scene. Uh, I am more <laughs> of a, an indie rock uh, heavy metal guy. So, uh, yes, I, I have I have not sat down to listen to The Method Man. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it's uh, one of those things that uh, I, I got the inference from all of the cameos that, ah, okay, clearly this is a big deal. But uh, but it took me going home and looking it up to to fully get it. Um, but I I have a question for you, and I was wondering what your response is going to be to this. Who do you think the biggest cameo that they got was in this film? Oh, got to be Chris Hemsworth. Yep, I was going to say that too. Like, and, like uh, he and... he was the most unexpected one, and then to see him in there, I was like, oh, all right, that's that's fun and totally totally him. Yeah, yeah, it, it's something that I have really enjoyed is just how much Grinsworth is just willing to go with all of this stuff. Like, uh, uh, we have covered the reboot, remake, re-whatever you want to call it of Ghostbusters on this podcast, and I will happily go on record to say that the two things that I enjoyed most in that film were Kate McKinnon and Chris Hemsworth. Right? Because... <laughs> I'm pretty sure, and I, I argue about this with that Ghostbusters reboot all the time, about the fact that um, they were the only two who were allowed to ad lip, and you can tell. Yeah, and it, it like still, still my favorite thing in that film. Like, if you go back and and watch it, it's like it's probably not even 
uh, fully intentional. I don't know if it just if it just happened out or whatever, but it's when Chris Hemsworth is saying, "What makes me look more like a doctor, uh, playing the sax or listening to the sax?" And you can like, and it you see him putting the sax up to his ear, and then <laughs> like, and then that that's just funny anyway. But then during the credits at the end, you see some more of his Polaroids. And in one of them, he is just in full Dr. Garb looking like a doctor. So it's like, he has that photo, but he feels that looking like a doctor is when he has the saxophone in the film. So it's like, Right. It, Not yeah, to get too off track, but my favorite little bit from uh, that one's when the phone is ringing and there's an, a fake phone in the fish tank and he just keeps ramming his hand into the side of it. Can't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, it like Chris Hemsworth, if he's allowed to just go with it, yeah, he is. He's funny, really funny. <laughs> and I, I'd uh, love to see him in more comedy things. I even think his bit in this was pretty funny. Um, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. So the version I watch had a lot of after uh, during the credit scenes. Did you have that with yours as well, or not? Yes, yes, we did. Um, I I feel like that's uh, um, based on what I've read and everything. I, I think that is just the standard, um, the standard for it. And, uh, and of course the saddest part of the whole thing is seeing, uh, seeing Kevin Smith talking with Stanley. And yeah. I'm glad that they, I'm glad they put that in there and I'm glad we got to see it and got just a little bit of a taste of what it could have been. So and, one, uh, one of the things that Kevin Smith talked about when he was uh, doing uh, his Q&A for this was not only about that part, about, you know, doing that. He was actually going to have Carrie Fisher back for a cameo in this one. And, oh, really? Yeah. And so he had he had it all set up and arranged, and then she passed, right? And so that didn't happen because she was the nun in the first one, right? Yeah. Um, And I'm not going to lie. It was really – one of the cameos I wish they had in this one is I would have loved to see Mark Hamill at the convention. Yeah, like sitting at a booth for the uh, – the cock knocker and then like maybe just having only one person in line which would be funny like, as hell <laughs> and mark hamill would be totally up for it right like yeah and and you know knowing kevin smith he would have had a mark hamill lookalike at the next booth over as luke skywalker like and everyone <laughs> would be <laughs> and that that guy has a line but mark hamill doesn't <laughs> yeah i i feel like yeah i i get the feeling that that was just he either couldn't make it work schedule wise, or the st- or the studio might have been like, "We just can't put another person in this." You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true. Um, what did you think about? Um, well, Jason Mewes em- emoting in this one finally. Yeah, I I thought it was really good to have him. Yeah, you know, in the viewers' universe, like really getting some of the dramatic stuff down. Uh, because obviously in pretty much all the other ones, he's mostly the yelling and... Buffoon. Just, yeah, he, yeah, he's just the idiot that yells and happens to do the right thing at the end. Um, a- again, probably one of my uh, favorite things in Dogma is when he just starts yelling after God turns up. And it's just... <laughs> <laughs> It's just that entire thing. It, it's pretty much on par with uh, Chevy Chase going off the chain in um, uh, Christmas Vacation. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's that type of thing. It's, I, I love that sort of thing. And so it's it's good to see that he he gave he gave Jason Mewes the chance to really go for it, and that Jason Mewes was ready to do it. I'm, I'm gonna so. I'm gonna break that this illusion for you. Apparently, it was an accident. <laughs> okay um so because of the fact that it's um harley quinn working opposite him right which jason yeah. Mewes essentially has been like her uncle for all of all of his life all of her life right um yeah. because she started crying he started crying because he thought it, it was like it was because it was her if it had been anyone else it probably wouldn't have happened <laughs> Well, hey, you do what you gotta do, and he he happened to put the right combination of people on screen to make it happen. So happy little accident. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, even so, like even taking that aside, like it, he was able to sort of ground Jay, 
more than we'd seen before. And I, I mean, obviously he's still got the insane stuff, such as when he sees Justice on TV. Uh, but uh, And then but there yeah, was that cameo was... there, or the double cameo. Yeah. In the movies. <laughs> because uh, yeah, it was is... Kevin Smith's wife and um, uh, Kate Minucci, right? Which is from Hall and Oates. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, it's it's Mikuchi. Mikuchi, because yeah, she uh, uh, she's gone on record several times. It's just been like, yes, I know what my last name is. Yes, it's funny, but yeah, not to me anymore. Because obviously, it's uh, yeah, haha, she's got coochie in her name. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I I can we just talk about the cameos for this? Because can you imagine? what a nightmare this would have been to fully arrange for just all of these cameos. Like, like did they plan on shooting over like six months just so they could get all of these people on screen when they needed them? I mean, obviously Kevin Smith's wife is going to be available whenever he, whenever they're ready to shoot the scene, mm-hmm. but just like all the people, like you've got, uh, was it, Craig Robinson, uh, Joe Mangliano, and Justin Long. In one scene together. Uh, in one scene. Uh, and then, uh, obviously, you've got Ben Affleck uh, is uh, and in the same scene as uh, Jerry Law and Adams. Mm-hmm. Just getting Ben Affleck back. Like, oh, was... by the way, so the little girl who uh, was in there, um, that was Ben Affleck and uh, Joey Lauren Adams' character's daughter. Uh, that's actually yeah. Jason Mew's daughter. You know, I think I heard that. Yeah, and, and um, like when I when I saw the film, I I didn't really think much of it, and then I uh, someone mentioned, it, I was like, oh, okay, like it's, it's that nice. I I like that happened. I I kind of assumed when I saw it that it was maybe Ben Affleck's daughter or something like. I do not follow the lives of celebrities. I do not know. <laughs> uh, what age their children are, if they even have children. I, again, don't know, don't care. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, that, that was cool. I, I like that. And obviously, it, Kevin Smith, he's going to find a way to try and get to get these people on screen. So uh, maybe she had the SAG card now. I don't know. Right. Uh, what did you think about Fred Armisen as kind of like the pseudo bad guy for a chunk of it? <laughs> I I really enjoyed seeing him on screen. Like I... I've seen him in several things, and it's just like, yeah. Whenever he's he's on there, and he he kind of has a a little bit of a stereotype that he falls into, uh, like kind of, not stereotype typecast. He's kind of typecast in a lot of these roles, and but it was really nice to, to see him because, uh, yeah. If I was trying to be like yeah, fully critic mode, which you kind of can't do with this film, but yeah, if I was going for it, I could argue that whenever he's on screen it kind of slows the film down a bit just because you know his character is naturally just that slow cadence to it Mm -hmm. but i really enjoyed it like it it was just so fun especially that his character is just so boring like the whole point he's just a dull guy um, and they just keep screwing him over so yeah that's funny that's where the comedy comes from folks <laughs> legit and I, again there's so many cameos in this i'm not gonna lie i'm like scrolling through imdb and i'm like oh shit i forgot about him and they're like chris jericho yeah <laughs> and i'm like oh god yeah. he was in there i forgot about his little his little bit when they're with the clansmen yeah and it, it's just there's, like I said at the beginning, there's just too many. You just, uh, and, uh, well, for instance, you've got Brian O'Halloran as three people in this film. Because he is obviously Dante. At uh, the beginning and of the then, end. Yeah, and then he is the um, the version of uh, like his family, I guess, that is the reporter. So he's in that. And then he is himself at the panel. So, like, oh, yeah. I forgot about that bit. Yeah, <laughs> and they even bring back uh, Jason Vanderbeek and, uh, um, or sorry, James Vanderbeek and Jason Biggs. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just there's it's just so many. It's just, it's insane. Um, but I guess uh, my my question then is, uh, what would be your favorite moment 
from this film, if if you can pick one. Ooh, that's a challenge. I'd have to say my favorite moment is Kevin Smith playing Bo- Silent Bob playing Kevin Smith. <laughs> that that is a fun one. <laughs> like it's such a dumb bit, but it's it's just such a good bit at the same time. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that whole thing's got some great moments in it. I mean, obviously you've got uh, yeah, you've got Harley Quinn Smith giving the line of "I can't stand Kevin Smith." He puts his family and everything, which, and know, then looking course, at the camera. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I think my just my favorite thing from this film, just like out of everything, just something that I felt. They clearly put it in there for, for like the original fans, just for the the people that have been with them the longest. Is the last thing that is in the film that is like canon in the film timeline, which is that Jay tells Millie that they've been putting gum in the locks for twenty five years, <laughs> <laughs> which which was solid. Like that yeah. that moment when that happened in the theater. Everyone, everyone was just howling. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it's the one thing that I think he was asked the most about it initially because it you know, as you watch Clerks, it's not a hundred percent clear what the problem is. But there's always a problem s- with the locks. Yeah, and it, it's never stated out loud in the film, and then it's never stated out loud in any of the other films. Mm-hmm. So. So like that is is quite clearly uh I know that the the fans that have been following me that have watched the Q and A's and all of that, like they know what happened, uh, because he had mentioned it a couple of times. But this is just like a alright, here you go. <laughs> yeah, I I'm making it canon now. This is what's the what was happening. You know, so, another cameo I'm really sad didn't happen, but I'm kinda happy didn't. Um, Will Farrell. Yeah, yeah. Because he was such a big part of the original one, I expected him to kind of show up somewhere. Yeah. Or at least the monkey. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been nice if the monkey was... (laughs) You know, I'll go on record. I have said it before. I am not the biggest Will Ferrell comedy fan. Oh, thank you. Finally, someone else. (laughs) Yeah, now, Will Ferrell being serious and getting some real drama going, man, that guy can act. But, yeah, it... His style of comedy, the the sort of comedy where the entire point of the joke is that the character is just an idiot, I do not find that funny. Right? I've never I've never found that funny. It's why I can't watch Anchorman. Period. Because that's like six characters in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same with that uh, Talladega Nights. Same semi pro. Um, all of those. The only one of those that uh, where he plays a character who's dumb and it's funny that I, I like is Elf. And it's because he plays naive really well. Yeah, that, that's my wife's, I think, second favorite Christmas film. And I have never finished it. And uh, I, I don't think I will. Um, hey, uh, nothing wrong but, with that, man. I, I, yeah. I always say it all the time. I think Will Ferrell makes a great side character. He is not a great main character. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say um, in terms of that, that sort of character, that sort of thing, which obviously... Because he's done it so well, he's gonna keep getting offered those parts, and we know he can do them. Uh, yeah, like that. That I don't want to see. Now, give me a Stranger Than Fiction. Everything Must Go is another good one. Yeah, that. That's one that uh, has been in my queue for so long. I just need to hit the play button because <laughs> I know because I know I'm gonna like it. I just haven't watched it yet. But yeah, and, you know, being English, this might be a shock to some people, but I can't watch The Office either. Right? I just can't. <laughs> the Ricky Gervais um, one is way better. Well, that's the thing. I can't watch that one either. No? Because it's it's the same thing. It's the the point of it. It's just a cringe humor, and I can't watch it. See, now, I at least I like can... the Ricky Gervais one. The American one's terrible. Well, that, no, that's the thing. I will, I will happily go on record as saying that the Ricky Gervais one is better than the American one, based on the few things I have seen. But uh, now... I will suggest, uh, obviously this is a bit of a tangent, but if anyone is looking for a Ricky Gervais vehicle, watch Extras. Oh, because, so good. Because that 
is phenomenal and full of cameos i would say to to tie it in full of cameos with people that are just willing to do whatever because they can i've always joked about this um with my wife if if i ever were to become famous which probably won't happen in my lifetime um i would totally just be like hey can i do a cameo in your thing yeah just be like yeah if if you have yeah you've made your money you can afford to do whatever you want just and just turn up to something. Just be like, oh, I'll be in it. Hello. You don't even have to pay me. I've got a day. I'll do it. Yeah, I've got a day free here. Uh, I'll come be on set. I'll be an extra. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, kind of like, um, uh, what was it? Bill Murray, where he doesn't have an agent. He just has a voice mailbox. And you can, if you know the number, you can call up and pitch thing to him. And then he just decides what he wants to do. <laughs> Well, he can at this point, right? Yeah, and that's actually how he ended up in the Garfield film. Because he thought that the director, whose last name was Cohen, he thought it was one of the Cohen brothers. (laughs) And it wasn't. (laughs) So so he signed on, agreed to do it, and then realized it wasn't a Cohen brother, but still did it anyway. Because he's like, I've done this. (laughs) But Um, you know what? Again, if you had the money that you're like, I don't really care, I... I totally would do that. Just be like, yeah, put me in random shit. Yeah, and I, and I feel like probably, let's say 90% of the people that were in Jane and Bob reboot were probably like in it for, let's say, scale. Like, rather than like requesting the amount of money that they normally do because like Kevin Smith just kind of has this thing with him where like he, he's just able to draw these people in and... They're just friends, so it's like, hey, are you free for an afternoon? Are you willing to come and do this for me? And they were probably like, yeah, sure, whatever. Like without really ha- needing to hash out all of that stuff. So it's because yeah. he's got the personality for it. Yeah, yeah, very much so. That and yeah, I also it, think a lot of the cameos he got for this one from his friends was because he had that heart attack. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, I mean, huh. yeah, it, do you know? Um, I haven't really been able to find too much about it. I don't think they've gone on record as uh, specifically talking about it too much. Uh, but to, do you know the, much about the story of how Ben Affleck actually ended up coming back? Because obviously they had that big falling out. Um, apparently, Kevin Smith was talking about it. Apparently him and uh, Ben Affleck got signed on without realizing it to the same event. And they just so happened to be there, and he and it was after his heart attack, and he went up and he apologized and said, you know, I'm sorry, blah blah blah. Um, that this is just from hit the Q and A. He actually talked about it, yeah. and uh, he he also talked about um, fixing the bread with Jeff Anderson as well. Uh, he's done it with both of them, where he's gone up to them and been like, I was an ass. I'm sorry. I let it get to my head. All right. Well, it, good to know that he's able to do that because some people can't. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah. sometimes uh, when you have a life or death experience, it changes you. Yeah, yeah, I I can imagine so. Um, I myself have not been through any life or death experiences, and Knock on uh, I wood. don't plan to anytime soon. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm glad they were able to work it out. If for nothing else, they gave us a little bit more Ben Affleck in Kevin Smith. Than, you know, hmm. as Kevin Smith has gone on record as saying many many times. Uh, yeah, if he were to remake Jaws, he would cast Ben Affleck as the shark because he thinks Ben Affleck can do anything. Uh, <laughs> well, we might see that because the last in the uh, Canadian horror trilogy is called Moose Jaws. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we might see Ben mm. Affleck as a moose. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, especially now that they've uh, buried the hatchet, supposedly, uh, then yeah. It could what very did you, well happen. Speaking of Ben Affleck, what did you think about his scene of like pretty much uh, bashing Batfleck, but not bashing directly? Yeah, I, yeah, I thought it was it was again just kind of the right level. Mm-hmm. Like, there, there was just enough in it where yeah, he's he's sort of ripping into that side of thing, but there's clearly that reverence there for everything. So like he's and. Yeah, one thing that I I always find the best is when you can see that everyone is just having fun. 
Yeah. They, and and I always feel like, and it's kind of difficult to explain, because obviously if you have someone who's a brilliant actor, they can get across any emotion so it can look like anything. But I always feel like you can just tell if everyone in a scene is just like on it, they're there, they're having fun doing it. And it, I think it's one of the reasons why I like meta humor and that type of thing so much. It's like, especially Deadpool. That is clearly Ryan Reynolds just having a blast. Like, he's just... Just really letting loose. It's it. like they point him in a direction and say, go that way roughly, and he's like, got it. Yeah, and and so it's kind of the same with a lot of the Kevin Smith films. It's like, yeah, obviously they're having fun. Like, yeah, I like uh, I like Jason Lee, mm-hmm. and I, I love him in um, uh, My Name is Earl. I genuinely don't know if he would be able to pull off that smarmy guy if he wasn't having fun being the smarmy guy like, <laughs> I mean, like, like yeah and, uh, yeah no I was again no affront to Jason Lee <laughs> I, I I like the guy I like the stuff he's done it's like, I, I just feel like yeah his character especially in more rats like I think it helps that they were clearly having fun doing it and so that kind of lent to the cockiness of the character. So. I, I I always think about whenever I think of Jason Lee, the like visual mental visual I get is when he says, uh, in Mallrats he goes, chocolate covered pretzel, and like he just has that shit eating grin, and I'm like, that's just mm-hmm. the face that I can picture in on him is that shit eating grin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I I was a little shocked that that didn't come back in this. I mean, obviously it came back in Dead and Son of Bob Strike Back, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> I feel like that was a missed extra callback, you know, <laughs> like, especially since they're doing reboot. Like, I feel like even if Jason Lee hadn't given the line, if someone else had given the line in that scene with Jason Lee, I think that would have, like, I, I think that would have kind of put the hat on it nicely. But, uh, <laughs> I agree. I That was one of those. And who knows, maybe it was recorded and they just cut it because it didn't fit. Yeah. yeah and and uh, again, that that's the thing i don't uh who knows what happens on the cutting room floor who knows what they wish they could have done and it just didn't work out like i'm sure kevin smith has had all of these thoughts and just like for whatever reason it just didn't work in the final draft of the film and everything so uh, right yeah I, yeah i am i am very happy that i got to see <laughs> this and uh um like and my my kind of final takeaway, if I were to to say something to people, is uh, this is absolutely, definitely, only a film you can really enjoy if you've enjoyed the other Viewers Universe <laughs> film, because there is no way you can come into this like not knowing mm-hmm. uh, and and understand it for a start, <laughs> and then like it's it's gonna be one of the things if you. Uh, kind of meh on Kevin Smith, you're you're probably gonna hate this film. If you really like Kevin Smith, you're probably gonna really like this film. So, yeah, it's it, it's interesting whenever you get something like this because it's like you can't really objectively like critically view this film because that's not what this film is. This film is a film made by Kevin Smith for people that like Kevin Smith films. Because they keep telling him that they want him to make more Kevin Smith films. I wouldn't even so. say that. I think this is a movie made by Kevin Smith for Kevin Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Quite clearly. I mean, Kevin Smith is in it. Right? So. Twice. He plays two different characters. Yeah. I mean, three if you count Kevin Smith playing Silent Bob playing Kevin Smith. So. Whoa. <laughs> he got me there. <laughs> and the levels yeah, of meta humor involved with that. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it it was kind of insane that they ended up making this in the first place, and I love it for it. <laughs> I agree. It's, I, I my takeaway from it is it's one of those movies where it's like, normally on my show, I rate movies. This is one of those movies I couldn't rate it, um, yeah. because it, it's just like one of those things where it's like, it, it doesn't fit the standard kind of category of, oh, when you watch a movie, it's like, oh, I'm looking for these things. It's like, this is just, if you're a fanboy... You're gonna love it. If you're not, you're gonna be confused. 
(laughs) It's a zero to like a hundred. There's nothing in between. Yeah, I I would love to watch someone watch this film if they haven't seen any of the other films or know who Jane Silent Bob are. Yeah, because it like uh, well, uh, I brought it up several times at this point, but my my in laws for reasons beyond my understanding went to see Avengers Infinity War having only seen two and a half Iron Man films. <laughs> that, um, that's like my in-laws went to go see Quantum of Solace. Um, no, not even Quantum of Solace. What was the other one? Skyfall. They went to go see uh, Skyfall and they've never seen a Bond film. Okay. Yeah. No, you you need a bit more of that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like, uh, you're missing a lot. <laughs> yeah, like it, it was insane. Like I, I heard that they were doing that, and I, I didn't go to them and say something. But it was just like, why? What could well, possibly? What was their takeaway? I want to know now. What was their takeaway? Um, I think they enjoyed it. <laughs> um, for the action scenes, <laughs> but yeah, like they, I think they came out of it, and they didn't even really ask questions about it they did like they didn't even bother asking like so who was this guy why was this person there it was just like oh, okay this was the film and uh, especially my mother-in-law she only wants to see films that you don't have to think about so like i think she went into it expecting that she wouldn't know who the characters were but that there was gonna just be a big fight and there was, so I guess she got that. I don't know. But, well, uh, at least she got what she was looking for. Yeah, that's best. Go in with low expectations. You're not going to be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, the the most bamboozling thing for me that they've ever done. Like what watching anything that I've heard they've been doing. So, um, we like we watched Stranger Things season two when that came out, and then they said when we were. Like we just finished, and they texted my wife to say, "We're starting Stranger Things season two because they watched season one the previous year." And uh, like we were saying, "Oh, you'll enjoy it," and they said, "Oh, yeah, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have to turn this off. We can't. Like, you know, we're not enjoying it. We don't whatever." And it was like, and I said, "You know, tell them just to wait until eleven. Like, have they seen eleven? And their response to that was, "Who's eleven? <laughs> it was like. You've seen Stranger Things season one, right? And it's like, yeah, we watched the whole season, and you don't know who Eleven is. <laughs> it's like it's like just blank slate, not there. <laughs> she doesn't know. So, but yeah, no, uh, that's that's a rough way to go through life. Yeah, no, I I, I can't do that. I I I kind of wish I could sometimes, but I can't. I just can't. Um, and that, there was actually. One thing that uh, I quite liked about Jane and Bob Strike Back is uh, when I'm watching films, just because I know how films are made, I know basic structures of films, I know basic plots, things like that, like, I'm able to, if a film is not thoroughly engaging and I'm not thoroughly in the moment with the characters, I typically am able to kind of piece together in my head how a film is likely to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that never popped up in this I had no idea where this was gonna go, <laughs> and uh, I I was just I was in it for the ride. So yeah, it was uh, like it was it was quite a roller coaster of nostalgia and comedy and just all of that stuff. So I, yeah, I agree. Like <laughs> I said, I fanboyed hard over it. So like I'm in like <laughs> just total agreement with that. It's just like yeah, I went in there and I was super happy after I left <laughs> for like days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, as I said before, my final takeaway for anyone that uh, still wants to go see it. Number one, we did not touch on like 20% of the jokes in this film. So like, even though we spoiled several moments in it, like, we haven't spoiled the film at all. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, if you're still thinking about it, go see it. Go see it now. Uh, if you're listening to us and you've been like, well, that sounds stupid, just stay clear. Don't don't bother, because <laughs> yeah, it, it this is, is stupid in a good yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, this is as we said, it's a film for people that like Kevin Smith films because Kevin Smith made a film that he wanted to make, and 
yeah, like that. Those are the films that people that really like Kevin Smith always enjoy. So, so yeah, um, I I don't have too much to say that we haven't already covered there. Then um, after all that, why don't you let people know all the good places that they can find you if they wish to get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can find my podcast on all the major uh, podcast uh, apps and catchers. Uh, it's Flix X Ray, F L I C K S X R A Y E D. I spell it out because apparently I need to. Um, and you can find me at that same handle on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we just uh, we just launched our 200th episode, so you can check out 200 episodes worth of stuff. There you go. All you had to do just uh, you know have a spare what week and a half. Yeah, something like <laughs> just that. Get, just get through all of it. Yeah, you're golden. <laughs> Solid. Uh, yeah. And uh, as I said at the beginning, you can obviously find us at all of the standard places. <laughs> yes, we are through pretty much all podcatchers, and we are on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Facebook. Uh, not as much as we really should be, but uh, hey, I'm busy. <laughs> uh, but yes, th- thank you everyone for listening so far, and uh, hopefully you'll keep listening to us to infinity and beyond. Not a flying toy. <laughs> All right. Bye, folks. Toodaloo. In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Hang on a minute, lads. I've got a great idea. Uh. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.